Blog Talk Radio. Antonio, you there? 
Yeah, I'm I'm not at the house. I'm headed back to the house now. Um, she should have. She may be having some issues with her computer again. I'll be there like uh, two minutes. I'll check check back in. All right, Miss Sandy, you there? Sandy, you there? Mr. Chris, you there? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, sir? I know you're scheduled with uh, Letitia. I don't. She must be having uh, issues with her computer. I'm gonna go to a quick song, okay. and um, hopefully she'll have it after the song is um, done. Okay. All right. No problem. All right. Thank you. Oh 
Constitution of America told us that we were three-fifths of a person, told us that we were property, told us that we were subhuman. But God told us that he made us whole. God told us that he made us in his likeness and his image. And so we recognize that we will not expire, but we can only go higher because it is our divine destiny to not expire, but to go higher. And if we stay together, and if we continue to recognize that being black is being proud, that despite police brutality, despite racism, despite evil and sin, we won't expire because God's plan is to take us what? Higher. And I'll say this to you in closing. Black lives matter. Matter. All right, um, Letitia, you there? She's trying to get a, um, she's having some issues, complications with her computer right now. Hold on. Oh, okay. Well, you going to call in? She's going she's gonna to call in. All right, all right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Playback. Music
if you straight out racist, the sucker was simple and plain. I'm a fucking ninja, Wayne. Cause I'm black and I'm Welcome to Lifestyle Radio. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, good, good, good. All right, let's, it's 914. I'm your host, Patricia Dorsey Magaha, certified life coach, and I welcome to my show. Um, again, it's Wednesday, the 21st, 2024, and it is 914 p.m. If you're listening tonight and you want to join in on the conversation, give us a call at 516-453-9110. Press 1 to get um, called on and get put into the conversation. If you're calling from a T-Mobile number, give us a call at 971-379-9537. You can also join us in the chat on Blog Talk radio.com the hilltop radio show um i want to welcome my co-host tonight dj sean how you doing i'm doing good good i I don't i do not know what's going every wednesday i'm having some technical problems because opposition it just Mm -hmm. doesn't want the the information to get out there, but we uh, we push on. I want to also welcome our other co-host, Antonio Magaha. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. What's up, everybody? Good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, if you're listening tonight and you are questioning your next move, you need a different perspective to see your relationships a little different, are you running out of, de- out of ideas for your life? I am a certified life coach with plenty of experience and client results and satisfaction. You can reach out to me on my website, becomingexcellentd.com. Hit the initial consultation tab and get a free 15-minute assessment of your situation and some conversation. Do it for yourself now. We still are at the top of the year. We still have plenty of time to get moving in the right direction. It is still February. You have almost a whole year 
to figure out what you are doing with yourself. Um, we've got one more full week and two days left of Black History Month. What What's some things that you guys have learned, if any, this month? Have you learned anything new this month? Um, yeah, people are still ignorant. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. You talk about yesterday's show. Childish, um, disrespectful. Um, it's just wild, just wild. People just clout, clout chasing, you know, grown people acting like kids. That just irritated me. Yeah. yeah, yesterday, yeah, that show was a, a a trip. I I'm actually amazed at the amount of uh know what to say. This whole story, like even before I knew that we were connected to the story, mm-hmm. I had seen the story, but I didn't really get it. I mean, I don't care about that kind of stuff, so I never looked into it. But this thing is on fire. The original poster, uh, I guess the third wife, she's got millions of views. Millions. Yeah. But the thing of it is, the way it was um, laid out was, well, come on my show and I'm going to explain it to you. So everybody followed, but you didn't explain. You know what I mean? You didn't. She didn't go into detail. Well, she and didn't what... say, I don't think she said that. I think her son said that. Yeah, he had some... a post that said, well, some, her. Somebody said something, and they all came over to the show, came over to her show, and then that's where it they went. They sure did. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, the good news out of it is, I don't know if, it, it, um, if it's legit or not, but it, it, some people hit me up on my uh, website, so looking for some consultation so oh that's good at least you got something out of it i had a lot of uh, friend requests on, on my i had friend requests and i had a lot of people hitting me up on a hilltop radio show.org and wanting their music in rotation and stuff like that so got a little something hey, out of it. hey yes i mean i i think uh sean what is his name um i always quote this uh what's his name antonio who who always said that uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity? Sean, you said Sean? Not Sean. What was the who? Uh, the guy who went to jail. The new uh, the producer. Shug Knight. Yeah, Shug Knight said there's no such thing as bad publicity. So here we are. Here we are. Well, I learned, I, I don't know if I said it in another show, for Black History, uh, did we talk about the butter pecan ice cream? Mm-hmm. I don't so think I so. learned that, I, yeah, I learned that what, uh, back in the day, the reason how we got butter pecan ice cream was that we were told we couldn't eat vanilla because it was too pure, so they added butter and walnuts the vanilla to turn it into butter pecan so we had so black people could have vanilla ice cream. Mm. Have y'all heard that before? Mm-mm. 
Yep. No, I've never heard that. I heard. It's the first for me. Yep. Yeah, that was it. This year was the first I heard that. But they said, yeah, we they wouldn't allow us to to get vanilla ice cream, so we made butter pecan. Butter pecan is it's 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 good. It's good. It's good. It's better than vanilla. Um. So tonight we have tonight's guest is a gentleman that I met at my school, gentlemen. He was part of a male mentorship group that came to the school to work with the young men. Uh, Last year, we had several in-depth conversations about education, the educational system. He was very, very, very informational and educational for me. Um, And I invited him last year, but he had some some difficulties getting on. So I re-invited him for this show. I am very excited to have my special guest. Chris Hampton. How you doing, Chris? Is he on? I see him on the board. He might be on mute. No, he's not on mute. Oh, I mean on his end. Oh. Hey, Chris, are you there? Okay, let's see what... um... Let's see, we also have um, another special guest in the uh, in in our chat. Hello. Oh, that's um. That's um Sandy. Yeah. Sandy, how are you? She's having issues with her microphone too. What is happening? Maybe it's the platform. It's a man's touch. That's all it is. Hey, Chris, are you there? He logs out and logs back in. He says he can hear me, but we cannot hear him. Hello, Chris. Can you hear us? Chris, can you hear us? Sandy dropped too. Yeah, she's on the two. Um, this two hundred five number. That's Sandy. Yep. I'm not sure what's happening. Did you um have you gotten a chance to listen to um what we were talking about yesterday? Did, have you listened to the whole story? Are you familiar with the fifty TikToks that the one lady uh, posted? Um, you talking about uh, with with um Missouri? Yeah. 
No, I ain't get into that. I, I ain't get into that. I watched the I watched the TikTok that you uh, sent me in Messenger in Instagram with the young lady from Mississippi that was following her um, ancestors with the two different names, the same name, but the the spelling was different at the end. Oh, wasn't that deep? Yeah, that was deep. I was trying to figure out how to find her to get her on the show and talk about that. Yeah, that that was um I yeah. you know, I I'm going to I'm going to get that and play that. That was uh incredible the way that she articulated. Yeah, um, and, ex- and it was and she really explained it and it was it, she it, she explained it where you I understood where she was coming from with it. Yeah. Mhm. Well, I tell you this, we always, uh, you know, have you ever had, you ever been in a situation where people, like my daughter, she has a four letter name and they constantly, people are constantly messing her name up and refusing to say it correctly as if, you know, as if a name doesn't matter. I tell kids all the time, if somebody says your name wrong, you correct them. You can correct them in a right spirit. But you don't oh, yeah. have to. Um, you don't have to let somebody say your name incorrectly. <laughs> I had a hard time when I first met you. I had a hard time saying your name right. <laughs> That's why I said I'm gonna call you Doc. As you know what I mean? Because oh. I'm. I tell them real quick. How do you pronounce your name? Because I don't want to mess your name up. Because I will mess your name up. That I mean, I do come out and let them know. I will mess your name up. Well, how do you pronounce well, your it's, name? It's one yeah. thing. It's one thing about you know at messing somebody, not knowing their name, messing the name. But it's another when you're just like, oh, that okay, like you don't care, and you mm-hmm. don't even try. So that's a whole another thing. Sandy, can you hear us? I think she's brought back in. Yes, I can hear you guys. All right, there she is. How are you this night? I'm awesome. How are y'all doing? Good. This uh, technical difficulties is uh, trying to get the best of me, but I'm not going to let it. I know, because I was on the the computer. I can hear you guys good, but you couldn't hear me. All right. Well, let's see. Chris, can you hear us? Still not. He's still not on. So one of the questions I asked for me, uh, Black send, History Month. Send me his number and I'll call him in. Okay. Um, have you learned anything this uh, this particular Black History Month, Sandy? Anything new across your page? Um, not necessarily across my page, but within me, um, I've learned there's, there's more to me than what what I thought. Um, even with I work in the school system as well, and every time they have a program or something going on, they always ask me, and usually I would say no because I like to stay in the background. But this school year has been different. I've been saying yes, and I'm just grateful to God that He gave me a yes, that He's allowing me to to be me. Mhm. So I'm so grateful. So what are you getting to do? Today, um, the children did a poem to Mario Angelo. 
and I modeled to it because I model. Mm-hmm. So I modeled as they were saying the poem, and the children were so excited. That was the biggest thing for me. I um one of I I mentioned you to one of the little girl at my school. I think I told you about. I think it was you. Yeah. Um, when you were on the show, uh, the little girl with alopecia. Yes. And she she was so excited. She was like, <laughs> "There are people like me. Look like me." Yes. I was like, "Yes, ma'am." Do y'all live here? Yes, or ma'am. You live in Alabama? Uh, we, uh, I, uh, Atlanta, uh, Georgia. Really? Because I have an alopecia walk every year, and I have one this year, August the 3rd, and there'd be a lot of black, I mean black, a lot of bald people, and the youngest mm. um, girl in my group is five. How, where and is this, where is this at? It's going to be in Fortendale, right outside of Birmingham, town over from you Birmingham. To, yeah, shoot me that information, and I will... Um, I will give it to her. She was just so excited. Really? Oh yeah, she's I'm a, super excited. I'm a I, I, I said she has a um. She's a very confident young lady. Yes. And you know she. She don't let the alopecia. You know I don't. You know she's young. She's sixth grade, so I'm not sure how much she's been through. I know she's been through a lot with it, but. Mm-hmm. She's she got her confidence on now, completely. Oh well, I'll I'll be in Georgia next weekend for a conference. I'm modeling down there as well in Douglasville. Okay. Um, are you nice familiar with where in Henry Henry County? I don't know um, really anything about a Douglasville or Georgia. I'm just going to a a, okay. a church conference. And some of us alopecia girls is going to model. Okay. Well, I have to get with you off um, offline. Sure. I told her I would, if she, if you were ever in, in town, I would uh, reach out to you to come uh, yep. give her talk, give her some talk. Oh, that's so awesome. I'll be there the 28th and the 29th. Okay. I'll, I'll get with you after this. Yes. Did we get Chris okay, on the phone? It's ringing now. Chris, you there? It comes up like he's mm-hmm. answered, but he's not answering unless he's, unless, you know, he got one of them phones that don't, that rec, phone doesn't recognize the number, it goes to scam. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. I don't know. Let me try again. Yeah, it's going it's going to like uh voicemail. Yeah. Wow. We um So we had a Black History Month program at at my school, and it was phenomenal. One of the uh, the, the in-school suspension person, she wrote a script that was followed 
coming to America. And these oh, wow. middle school kids, they tore it up. So they had they the storyline was Hakeem was going trying to find his wife, and he went to different cities, and they talked about history, black history in those cities. Oh wait, man, he's um, on. I'm sorry, he's on? on. Yeah, there he is. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Chris. Hi. Can you hear? Yeah, we can, can hear. hear you? Wow, that that was a um that was an ordeal. Yeah, I felt invisible. How are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, it's been quite an ordeal, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm doing great. I um, could hear you guys fine, but when it when it came time for me to talk, y'all couldn't hear me. So I said, okay, all right, you know, so, yeah. But I'm here. I'm here. Uh, I love this show. Awesome. I love the format. Yeah, I love the format. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for um for taking your time out to join us. Tonight, um, I well, you heard the whole little introduction I gave about um, about how we met. Do you? Let, right. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, um, I am a man of humble beginnings. Uh, start off, uh, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, my father was military, so uh, my background is kind of kind of different than most kids. You know, I traveled around the world with my dad uh, wherever he was stationed. You know, I was there. Um, went to uh, three different high schools, you know, in New Orleans, uh, two in New Orleans, one in Texas, uh, San Antonio, Texas, to be exact. Went to college at a uh, historically black college known as Prairie View and University, the mm-hmm. second oldest institution of higher learning state of Texas. Um, and uh, after that, went to the military. I was a military officer, uh, armor officer, uh, stationed here in Georgia, Fort Stewart. Uh, job, got out of uh, the Army, and uh, after you know, traveling around the world, the funny thing is I fell in love with this area, you know, the Atlanta metropolitan area. So I said, hey, you know what, when, whenever I get a chance, I'm coming there. And so here I am. And that's, the, I guess that's the, the brief synopsis of, uh, of my little bio. You know, I, I hope that's, you know, that gives you an idea of who I am and what I'm all about. Uh, I, I love my people, you know. Uh, this show, listening to the to the bumper music and everything, you know, everything was was Afrocentric. Everything was black centered and positive. I was like, wow, these people, you know, y'all got it going on. You know, I was really, really taken aback by that. You know, even fight the power with the public enemy. You know, but it, it and then the brother was, you know, doing the little talk. I'm like, hey, this is all right. You know, I can I can get into this. I can really, you know, sink my teeth in this. You know, but uh, that's where I'm at. You know, um, well, yeah, so I, I'm, a, I'm glad you enjoyed that first song. Was actually uh, my husband and myself. Um, we okay. came out with the song. How long was that? How long ago was that, babe? Uh, about three years ago. Okay. About three, yeah, three years ago. Um, so that was higher, and that can be purchased on all. Platforms. It is on iTunes and Apple Music and YouTube. Oh, that was you oh, on there singing. The, that was you singing. Oh yeah, that was me. Oh wow. <laughs> no wonder we was having yeah. phone issues tonight. No, I'll just play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, it was, thought I, mean, we, I, I thought we played that for you before. 
Oh, that's the first time I heard it. Yeah, that was okay. our contribution to, um, I think, Juneteenth. We it, we came oh, up with wow. that on okay. Juneteenth about three years ago. Okay, multi That's all right. Okay. Yep. So, and of course, I, I picked the, I curate the music for my shows based on, like, the feel. So, Fight the Power, when I, from our conversations, you know, the last question I asked you was, do you remember the last question I asked you? You said, hey, I want you on my show. What do you want to talk about? Not that one. Oh, about your name. Oh, my name. Um, just like you told the kids, yeah. my full name is Chrisman Hampton, right? Um, right. So, and, but I, I go by Chris Hampton because it, it makes it easy uh, for folks to, to understand it and, and not call me Christine or Christmas or Christian. Um, my favorite one lately um, the uh, one of the people I'm dealing with with, with the insurance issues, they've taken a call on me. Uh, what's that lady called? Chris Tamar. I was like, Chris Tamar. Okay. I was like, I, you know, that's 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 interesting. You know. Um, wow. You know, I, I mean, I'm I'm not a linguist by any by any stretch of the imagination, but my whole life, it's like what the brother said earlier. You know, if you tell me how to say it. I will try my best to say your name. Mm-hmm. And, and and just like Leticia said, you know, if somebody gets your name wrong, you know, correct them. You know, even mm-hmm. if, even when you're when you're a young person, you know, when you're a young person coming up, you know, I had that issue. You know, I had a substitute teacher who kept calling me out my name. You know, she called me Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, and it was Christmas time, so you know, my name is spelled C H R I. Wait, so teacher called you that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, the teacher called me that. But she kept calling me Christmas, 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 and I'm gonna date myself here a little bit. So I called her Miss Piggy, you know, because so, <laughs> she was she was a blonde-haired white woman, um, you know, and she was a little portly, um, and she had on like a little pink outfit, a little pink dress, you whatever. Miss Piggy. Yeah, that's Miss Piggy. I no, I called her yeah. Miss Piggy, and you know, of course, that got me sent to the office. Um, uh, and yeah. Part of the staff was laughing because. They know they knew me already, but by the time they got my mom up there, they were, they were shaking their head like, "Okay, lady, you know, <laughs> this this ain't what you want." So my mother comes up to the school because she worked like maybe fifteen minutes from the school. You know, I was on, we were living on a military base at the time. You know, in most military bases, the garrison area is not that big. Anyway. So she she shoots from her job over to the to the elementary school to see about her child. Okay, so she comes in mm. and. First thing she said, what did you do? I said, Mama, the lady called me Christmas. She said, what lady? You know, I said, the teacher, subsequent teacher, she called me Miss, she called me Christmas. She said, what did you call her? I said, I called her Miss Piggy. She said, boy, I'm going to do when you get home. So she goes into the office, um, and they, you know, they break it down to her. Well, your son was disrespectful this and the third. So she said, my son knows his name. He knows how to spell his name. If he told you his name, why did you not try to say his name? His name is nowhere near Christmas, so why did you keep calling him Christmas? And the lady was like, well, it's close to Christmas time. And, um, you know, his name is so close to it. Right. I just think, I just think he, should, he should be okay with that. And my mother said, well, that's not the name I gave him. You know, and so I'm in, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the corner going, yeah, 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 get them all, get them all, you know, <laughs> to myself. You know? <laughs> so, the lady, so my mom was like, you owe my son an apology. 
You know, she said, because you started with him. You know, she said, I don't teach him to be disrespectful, but I also teach him not to be disrespected. So, you know, that was that was a big thing. I was like, hey, you know, I, I mean, I remember going home, my mom, she fussed at me. Ooh, she had some choice words. She said, boy, you know, defend your name. She said, but be respectful. You shouldn't call that lady Miss Piggy. And then she started laughing. She said, but she didn't look like Miss Piggy. So, you know, it was, it was fun. <laughs> you know, I, we learned. We learned from that. But, you know, that's just like everything else. You know, we, we as African Americans in America, um, have had our names taken away from us, our heritage, our, our religion, you know, our, our very being, our very essence. You know, like you told a story about butter pecan ice cream. You know, every aspect of our lives, there's been some form of racism. See, it's like, what? We couldn't every have ice cream? Part. We couldn't have mm-hmm. ice cream? You know, I mean, I was watching, um, was it that Masterson thing the other night? The TV show that just came oh, out? Oh, yeah, that's right. tough. Yeah, that's hot. That's a hot series. Oh, yeah, man. Like the, the thing, Bat Masterson, this is the guy that the, the Long Ranger story is based upon, right? Yep. But it, it, in the first episode, he's talking to his master, right? <laughs> uh, and the master is telling you, um, <laughs> you know, because he, he, he's feeling good about himself and he's praying or something. And so the, the master says something to the effect of, you think, you know, you N-words going to go to the same heaven as us? You know, he said, I, he said, I think they might have an a N-word heaven for y'all. You know, and Batman just looked at him like, wow, really? You know, and he, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't say that. You know, but later on in the scene, he beats the, he beats the, 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 the white officer. You know, sure does. He, he, yeah, I was like, because I, I was half asleep, but I was like, you know what? I got to watch this. <laughs> I got to watch this. You know, so many times we watch the slave movies and we watch mm-hmm. polo slaves that get the tar beat out of them. And, you know, you don't see no hope and you don't, you don't see nothing. But with this guy, you're like, okay, he's fighting back. And that's the truth. You know, we as black people have fought back, you know, at, at every rung of the ladder. You know, we couldn't have ice, we couldn't have vanilla ice cream. That was too pure. So we end up, we made our own, you know, uh, butter pecan. You know, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is. Have you heard? Have people, you heard that before? No, I haven't. No, I, I'm not surprised. I, I'm not surprised because you know, in, in places like I thought, where was that? I was down in Texas. When I was in Texas, there's a there's a civil rights area in San Antonio, uh, or anyway, I'm sorry, the federal building. And in that building, they still have the old water fountain. You know, and they would have. And it was, I was I always thought it was crazy. They have a a refrigerated water fountain, you know, where the water comes out cold, right next to the porcelain water fountain where the water comes straight out the tap and straight out the wall. Mm. Now, I don't know if you've been to San Antonio, but depending on how hot it is that day, mm-hmm. the water is going to reflect that. You know? So you needed that refrigerated water. And so the story goes back when they started having electricity and all that type of stuff in buildings and refrigerating the water, they had separate but equal. They had the porcelain was for colored people, right? And the refrigerated water, that was for white people. So I was like, wow, mm-hmm. we have racism even in the water, the water that we drink. You know, they had it right next, I mean, it, 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 it's it's it, it's a engineering feat to put electricity and water together so you can keep the water cold for the white people to drink <laughs> right next to the regular water fountain. So you ran, basically ran almost uh, like that- separate pipes. 
that's a um that is like you go out of your way. That's going oh, all man. the way out of your way to um the, the logic of racism goes from, out of its way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, the logic you know, the lo- it's the not logic. logic. There is no logic in it. No. I mean, if you, if you look at it, you know, like I, I was online earlier today, and they were talking about the oldest country uh, on the planet, you know, and it's I think it's off the coast of Nova Scotia or off the co- off, off the coast of England or something like that, and it's this little tiny island or something. But I'm sitting there thinking, if all if we've proven that all of mankind originated from Africa, how in the world is the oldest country? Mm-hmm. Off the coast of Europe. So, mm. you know, 10 years from now or 20, 30 years from now, whatever, uh, our grandkids will be like, okay, the, the oldest country on the planet is not this place. It's something else. So, you know, it, it's like everything else. I mean, the Chinese people have finally discovered that they, they originated from us. Their scientists have finally said, okay, you all came from black folks. You know, the, the, the Mexicans have pictures of the original Mexicans. And they look like us. Yeah, you know, yeah, they Yeah, the the people, the Spaniards, you know, they have close ties to the Moors, so they came from us. The Moors were black. You know, I mean, eventually somebody's gonna say, you know what? Let's stop the foolishness, and and let's let's just you know, let's just point out the facts. But you know, we're, we're passing legislation every day. We're, we're we're burning books every day. We're 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 lying about our history and trying to change the world's history to suit a narrative to to keep to perpetuate the lie because we don't want to hurt. Well, right now the story is we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't care about your feelings. If the truth hurts your feelings, then apparently you might be too close to the truth. You know, but the truth shouldn't hurt your feelings, especially historical facts. Historical facts should never hurt you. You know, it, 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 it's so, yeah. so let me ask you a question. What, Go you ahead. know, uh, truth versus lies, um, what do you think the number one lie, what will be the number one lie in your book that um, concerning black people in America that is just has been the most detrimental? What is the number one lie you think? The number one lie, and, and there, are, there are a lot. But today, on this day, because um, I'm dealing with some, uh, I've talked to some folks who are dealing with some medical issues. The number one lie for for now that that's on the top of my head is that we don't feel pain the same way white folks feel pain. That's the number one. Lie. Mm-hmm. You know, the the whole notion that if I tase this guy one time, oh, that ain't gonna be enough. So I got to tase him like he's some damn wild animal. Like he's a cow or something. He's he's you know nine hundred fifty pounds. You know I got to tase him a couple times in order for it to work. You know, and then we find out these people die. Um, you know, women. You know, yeah. the other day, there was, you know, yeah, women were in childbirth who were asking for the medication to to ease the pain during childbirth, and the doctor said, "But no, you don't need that. You're gonna be all right." Or the woman who is having the baby, she's like, "Something ain't right. Something doesn't feel right." And then the baby dies, mm-hmm. and then the mother the mother dies right along with the baby. And the doctor was like, well, mm-hmm. she, was, she wasn't in that much pain. Well, you know, 
you don't you don't know what this woman was feeling. If she said something was wrong, it's your job to go and find out what's going on. You know, I mean, I don't know. It is it it's 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 painful to imagine that you could be in pain and somebody say, Oh, that you, you, you that that ain't that bad. You'd be all right. You know, I mean it's one thing to say, Okay, walk it off, you know. If you lift, if you lift some weight because you're running down the road somewhere, but it's another thing for you to be on that operating table, screaming out for dear mercy to your doctor, and your doctor says, "Oh, you're not in that much pain." You know, that to me is, is the worst. You know, we don't feel pain. You know, but, but I, that's I, I think that that's very it is it, it, very interesting. They have some some real statistics on. Um, I just found one now. It says found that black patients were significantly less likely than white patients to receive um, anesthesia for extremity fractures in the emergency room. Fifty-seven yes. versus seventy-four. Absolutely. Uh, despite and having they, similar self-reports of pain. Right, and they, and they even they among were, point, young children. Yeah, at one point they were teaching this stuff in school. They were saying the black skin was thicker than the white skin. And to a certain degree, it might be. Um, you know, the uh, we didn't feel pain like they felt pain. Um, one of the, you know, this is Black History Month, but one of the things during the Civil War, you know, people like, uh, you know, Harry Tubman and the the um, the, the woman that they don't, they don't even know her name. You know, she had so many names. Mary, they called her Mary Cloud. She had uh, Lisa Lisa Taylor. All these different names this woman had, but she was a spy. For for the Union Army, so what she would do is she would always get hired as a maid, and so while you know General Lee, General she's in these people's houses, the, you know she was in Jefferson's house, the president of the Confederacy, right? She's in his house, Jefferson Davis' house, while he's making plans for the war, and she's in the room, and they got all these plans all written out and everything, and this woman used her memory to go back to the Union Army and redraw the map and redraw. The, the ingress and regress that these soldiers were about to try to inflict upon, you know, the Union Army, you know. But it, it, it's wow. crazy. They just figured, they, they already figured, well, y'all can't read. You know, y'all can't read. Um, y'all don't understand what we're talking about. But you got to realize, as black people, we created a language during Middle Passage. You know, um, what's, the, what's the language? Uh, not Swahili. It's uh, Creole. No, not Creole. Um, I want to say Swahili, but I'm, I'm I don't know if it's Swahili or not. But anyway, we create a whole language because we had. So if, if you got an African partner right now, right? If you know a Nigerian, okay, and I'm, I'm sorry, stereotype. I don't upset nobody, but the average Nigerian speaks five languages. Five languages. Mm. You know, we call them. We would call them dialects, but these are actual languages. You know, and you know, it's like if, if if you're a black in America, you know, you know what you talk. You, you talk one way at home, and you talk another way when you go to your your corporate job. You know, and there's a way that you carry yourself when you're walking down the street. And if somebody sticks a camera in your face, you don't want to be that guy. Go, yeah, I think that. You know, you you, you change your your demeanor just a little bit. You know, um, you know when that camera and, and gets in your face, you know, Channel Two News or Channel Five or whatever. You know, so that we we switch up. You know, we call it code switching. You know, these days. Well, but they these code switching is gone out of the window. Like I know, mm-hmm. for you know, kids don't 
they what you see is what you get now. They do not know how to code switch. Right. They, well, a lot of them feel like they have. Um, you say what? A lot of kids don't feel like they have to. You know, the, the young men that we mentor, we have to explain to them a lot of times, look, man, you know, I know what you're feeling. You know, I know what you were thinking. But you have to understand your station, and you have to carry yourself accordingly. You know, you, you can't just tell this 40-something-year-old teacher who's been teaching for the last 25 years to kiss your behind or you wrong, you wrong. I know you wrong. No, no, no. There's a, there's a way to do it. You just say, hey, look, you know, uh, I think that's incorrect, and let me show you what what I'm thinking. But you the teacher, so you let me know if I'm right or wrong. That's the way to do it, as opposed to, no, nah, I'm right. Kiss my butt. So, you know, it's, they don't feel like they need to. They don't feel a necessity. You know, we, we've, we've sometimes, I feel like we've, we've taught them to be proud, but we have not taught them where that pride comes from. And we haven't taught them how to dial it back and how to, to work that pride into something positive or to, to, to not get you yourself think it's into pride? Like you think what, what the pride. kids or the young people have is pride? I don't, I don't, know, I don't know whether it's pride or arrogance. Um, you know, I, I, I try to stay away from words like arrogance, um, but I feel like uh, I feel they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. You know, I mean, their social skills, when we were when we were coming up, you know, I'm, I'm 57, okay, so let's put that out there. When we were coming up, you know, grandmama, whoever was taking care of you, they would say go outside, go outside and play. So you go out and you meet the guy down the street, and y'all got to communicate. You have to talk. You have to know how to deal with it, you know. Um, you go play basketball or football or whatever the game is, you know, baseball in, in the middle of the street. You always have to communicate. These kids now don't necessarily have to communicate if they don't want to. You know, they can they can tune you out with with a click, with the click of a thumb. You know, like click, and they put their headsets on and they got the music blaring or whatever they got going on, and they're totally oblivious to what's going on around them. You know, so it's it's not wrong. It's just different. It's a different way of looking at life. You know, their perspective is totally different than what I. You know, I mean, and and that's with each generation, of course. You know, I mean, there's been studies talk about the vibrations of each generation changes. You know, their vibration is way out of whack from what we're doing. You know, and and we weren't exactly in tune with our parents, but I don't think yeah, we were that I, far. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I don't like. I think when we have conversations about this generation versus that generation mm-hmm. versus that generation, I I really don't like the differences. They're the same to me. Like, I think it's the same because just the same way as people got all bit out of shape about the hippies in the 60s, I mean, people were bit out of shape about their hair. Um, What did Marvin Gaye say? Um, Like, yeah, what's going on? You want to change, you know. And then the boomers, I think, they were super, super out of bit out of shape about those people, about the wars, about what was happening. Um, yeah. So I, I don't I don't really see any difference. I, I don't think the delivery, of course, the delivery is different because it's a different generation. But yeah. they're still crying the same cry. They still want the same thing. But see, that's the part that aggravates people, okay? Here we are. 
you know, you, you can pick a time in history in this country. Um, every generation, every year that this country has been in existence, we have been struggling for some semblance of freedom, some semblance of respect, some semblance of, of just being a human being. You know, for crying out loud, we were three-fifths, we were three-fifths of a man. And then only the men could vote. You know, um, we were brought here in shackles and chains. Most of us came on our own or came from other places. And it was like, wow, you know, every rung of the ladder we've been treated or maligned some kind of way to, to make us out to be this, I don't know, monolithic problem. You know, we were good if we were just picking cotton or mm-hmm. we're here in the South picking cotton or picking watermelons or we were good if we were just cooking their food and we were making the the the, 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 the most sour, most nasty thing taste good or most bland thing you could think of. You know, we added salt and pepper to it. You know, we mm-hmm. taught them how to take baths. You know, we taught them how to take baths. We invented the stop sign, the stop light. You know, cell phones, you know, hell, the Chrysler, <laughs> the Chrysler 300, you know, um, mm-hmm. the, you know, what's that thing right now? Everybody's driving street crazy. The Charger, you know, it's the brother that's behind all that. So you, every generation, we're still crying out, where's ours? How do we get ours? When are y'all going to treat us right? At, at one point, we had the, the black folks, the separate, separate black folks, that were, you know, going, let's go back to Africa, start our own country. You know, then we had the mm-hmm. ones that wanted to assimilate, you know. Now, we've, we've kind of assimilated, but we're still being shot in the street. You know, we're still being herded off to these schools, and we got to we gotta win a lottery to go to the good school. You know, or if we want to start school early or go to a good, what is it, a good, what is it, daycare program or pre-K program. We got to get a lot of it. You know, whereas other folks in our society, they just pull out their wallet or it's in their neighborhood automatically. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. The disparity, um, the disparity between what we are able to access readily and what is right. unaccessible is, is high. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're listening to our show, thank you for um, being on the Be, uh, uh, Be Lifestyle radio show. If you want to call in, give us a call at 516-453-9110. Our special guest tonight is Chris Hampton. Um, we are talking about black history, black people, um, of black people now versus the past and where we're going in the future. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna take a little musical break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about education. Okay. Is it a positive or a negative right now for us? Uh, for what you've seen in the school system with your own eyes, your experience, Chris, with school okay. systems. And so when we come back, we'll talk about that.
watching the cell block, bro. Hey, man, what you here for? Till my bro get choked by the po-po. Revolutionary thoughts, that's a no-no. Before I do it, put a po-po and let go. Back up, came and said, freeze. Get on your knees. Yeah, you look like one of them G's. Wish you would make a wrong move, please. So we can squeeze. Got me laid in the street. Kissed and beat. Took me in shackles, hands and feet. My lawyer came through and bailed me out. Got the charges dropped like I was high. Tired of seeing all this pain, hearing cries. From this war that's taking my people's lives. Vaccination won't save you. And administrations they put in place, put the band-aid on what you were slave to. Just do your time and get paid to. It's a couple of apps to entertain you. And if you aim to pass me along the food chain, we kill or detain you. What Jay said was true. You gotta bend you a nigga in the coop. Cop whips and chains to get you through. And I got 400 years of proof. Hamburgers for the white boys shooting up churches. But a black mother got a plan of son's funeral service. Still tired and hurt, but my black fist works. Why does the essence of my presence make you nervous when you see me in the street? Yes, I'm a human here refusing to value my humanity. All right. Thank you for um, joining us at Be Lifestyle Radio. That was Tired uh, featuring Antonio Magaha, um, Showtime. G Main. Yes. Okay. That was another um Juneteenth release from a few years ago. Wow. Okay. All right. Welcome welcome back uh to our show. We have Chris Hampton. Chris, what is your um what is your relationship to the educational system? Okay. Uh currently I'm I'm a mentor. Um, I'm a mentor at uh, down well mainly down here in county. We've got uh, one school up in Atlanta, Fulton County. Um, I'm in an organization called Young Men Rising. Um, we mentor young men from the ages of uh, wow, must say what nine years old, all the way up to college. Um, we've got some brothers that are at Morehouse, uh, Morehouse, Kennesaw State that we mentor. Um, some young men that we're still in contact with that are in, what, Douglas High School, uh, Stockbridge High School. Uh, you know, we are, we, you know we're, I'm a mentor. So, you know, I mentor young men, and we're just basically trying to get them on the right path or at least give them some sort of contact, you know, with men, um, you know, in a, in a positive light. You know, we're not a religious organization, but we try to keep um, some sort of spirituality there. You know, because we've got young men that are Muslim, we got young men that are uh, 
atheists, you know, we got young men that, you know, profess to be Christians. So we try to be respectful of, of all genre of religious belief. Um, so you know, that's just something that we do, you know, but we're basically trying to get them off to a right, to a right start to give them the support, you know, like a lot of kids coming from a single parent household uh, or not necessarily single parent households, but just parents, parents that, that are not able to give their children as much support as they possibly need. They just can't do it either, you know, their job situation or they didn't come from a two parent household. Um, you know, a lot of parents out here, they're just overwhelmed. So, you know, we're, just, we're here to help out where we can. Um, you know, we support the kids with things like, uh, you know, clothing, um, take them on field mm-hmm. trips. We show up at their, uh, sometimes their family functions. I've been to funerals of fathers. Um, I've been to graduation mm-hmm. ceremonies. Um, I've been to, you know, mom is in the hospital with uh, COVID. And, you know, young men ride steps into the plate and we fed the family. Uh, and there was a family of, I think it was, what, three little boys. Well, three boys. I think the oldest might have been 13 years old, and his other two brothers. And we were doing that to kind of keep them from having to deal with defects, you know, because the mom was in the hospital. Yeah. You know, the mom was in the hospital. The father was uh, – the, the mother and the father were in the middle of a divorce. And the mom ended up in the hospital uh, suffering from COVID. So the, the, the principal was like, hey, you know, I can't officially – help them, because if I do, I have to report them to DFAC, so technically they're in an unsafe mm. situation. So, you know, she let us know, um, and, you know, we we did the thing, all the stuff necessary. You know, we made sure they had food every night. We checked on them every night, seven nights, you know, seven days a week. We went by there. We had an afternoon shift that came by and an evening shift that came by at night, and then occasionally wow. we, randomly stopped. we just randomly stopped by to make sure the boys were okay. You know, but, I mean, when you make a commitment, you know, that's what it's all about. And for us, it just made sense. You know, yeah, you know, that's just what we did. You know, I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, wow, we did pretty good. But, yeah, it was, you know, it was, just, it was at the time, it was just, it was what needed to be done, you know. And, and that's the do thing you think, that a lot of times we miss. Go ahead. Do you think that um, single parenting, single parents, is still a big issue, I guess, in education that you find in your mentorship that it's causing a problem, like single parents um, or boys being raised gonna, by just women? Well, okay. I, I'm not going to – to to answer that, it's a two-part answer. You know, on the one hand, I don't want to be sexist and say a woman can't raise a, a healthy, thriving young man, okay? Because that's not, that's not the case, okay? We're trying to enhance what she's doing, you know. Um, and we see it a lot of times when you've got a young man who is only around females, right? He gets to a certain age and his body's changing or his, uh, his voice is changing. You know, he's not that little boy anymore. You know, so he doesn't, you know, he, who, who does he turn to? You know, like we had one young man who was so used to sitting down. You know, he was young. You know, I think he was like six years old. But he knew how to sit down to use the bathroom as opposed to standing up. Wow. Because he, he Wait, had never a boy? seen. He was a boy. He had never seen anybody standing up using the restroom. And so he just figured it was normal. Like, all right, 
I'm going to go sit down. I'm like, you know, he's six years old. You know, so we stepped in and, you know, tried to explain it to him. Um, hey, man, you can stand up. You know, just unzip your pants and stand up. He was like, huh? I said, hey, you know, but, he, you know, once again, he was six years old. So, you know, we stepped in. You know, we worked with him. He spent the weekend with with a couple of the brothers. And when the weekend was over, he was like, I'm a boy. You know, I got this. You know, <laughs> so it was wow. But it's just, sometimes it's just that simple. You know, if you're not exposed to something, you, I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to respond to it. And they probably so, didn't I mean, even, I was going to say, they probably didn't even recognize the difference that he didn't right. sit down anymore. They probably didn't right. even recognize it, yeah. Right. I mean, as a female, like, like, I guess if you don't know, if you're not familiar with male uh, things yourself, I guess, I guess I I grew up with a dad. So I, I don't, I can't even imagine not knowing that guys stand up to pee. Well, you got grown men that still sit down, that sit down now and pee. They do. No. I mean, but but they know, but they know standing up is an option. So you know, <laughs> at some point you got to teach that young man. And with us, he was sick. So we, we were teaching him, hey, you got to stand up. You know, and then we've had situations. Well, I personally have had situations where the mother decided, you know, she was lesbian, and her boys are twelve and nine years old. But all of a sudden, now she instead of calling her mom, she wanted to call her dad, and so. That was that led to a whole lot of confusion, and the young man was like, you know, I don't know, I don't want to upset my mom. Can't be my daddy. And I was like, you're right. I said, wow. You know, and so we talked. You know, I talked to the mom, and I was like, hey, you know, uh, I'm not telling you how to raise your children. You know, I said, but this is an area here that's going to cause you some problems, cause these young men some problems now and later on. You know, so you might want to rethink that. You know, I said, have them call you by your first name, you know, or have them call you Joe or something. But to have them call you dad, that's, you know, I said, that's not cool. You know, eventually she got it. Wow. You know? Yeah, it, it, it's, some, it's some stuff out here now. You know, it's, you know, trust me, it's some stuff out here. But um, I said. Uh, that's kind of, that's a little mind-blowing as a female, even if you, or whatever your orientation you want to be like, oh, that's different. That's different. Yeah. I mean, and this woman, she that's gave different. birth. It wasn't like these were adopted children. It was like, you gave birth to these boys, and now that you discovered your, your truth, or whatever you want to call it, um, now you want them to call you daddy. No, you know, that, and they've been calling you mama for their, whole, their entire lives. You know, so now, all of a sudden, yeah, that, to make that change is, is kind of rough. You know, that, that's kind of rough on anybody. You know, any young man having to, to deal with that, it, it, it's, a, it's a hard situation. You know, so, you know, like I said, I stepped in and, you know, did my best to, you know, not so much to talk to, to the young man. I talked to his mom. I said, hey, mom, you know, that's this. can we rethink this a little bit? You know, and, of course, you know, she pushed back. She pushed back initially, you know, but eventually she got it. She was like, all right, all right, all right. Well, they, they can call me because she she changed her name. You know, she hadn't had a sex change or anything, but she changed her name. I don't know what I think her name is Karen, and so she wanted the boys to call her Kendall. You know, and Kendall can go either way. So call so her what? Kendall. Kendall. You know, I think, yeah, I think it was, yeah, Kendall. 
you know, which is not necessarily a manly, manly name, but Kendall can go either way. You know, Kendall can go either way. You know, Kendall can be a man, Kendall can be a girl, you know, so. That's true. I was like, okay. So she, you know, so that was the thing. I was like, okay. You know, but the young man, when he first came to me, he was like, you know, he didn't want to experience the wrath of his mother, you know, on the one hand. But he was like, you know, I don't know how to do that. You know, he said, he said, I don't know why she wants me to do that. I said, well, you know, your mom is, uh, you know, she's lesbian. And he was like, I understand that. And she like women, but she's still my mom. I'm like, yeah. How old? Was so, this a high school kid? No, he was, the little boy, he was, uh, the time he was, he was 11. By the time we got everything worked out, he was 12. You know, but it, it was, uh, it was, it was kind of crazy there for a moment. You know, uh, and, and you know, of course, the, the father was nowhere in the picture. He wasn't around. Um, the young man never knew his father. So he was like, well, you know, I know I got a daddy, but I never met him, you know. And he didn't know the circumstances about how he came about. You know, his brother had a different father than him, and that man was in, was in and out of jail all the time, so he was never around. Wow. So, yeah, you know, and we, you know, we come across those situations. But that's, those are the bad situations. You know, the, the good situations are when you, you reach out to that young man, you know, and he responds and he makes changes. For, you know, they may, they may be just subtle changes. You know, because we, we're, we're with these young men. Like one young man, I, I mean, when we first started talking to him, he was like five foot six, right? And he was like nine years old. He's five six. And now he's uh, 13, 6'1". Okay. <laughs> so, and I'm only 5'10". So, to have him go from being, I'm looking down at him, you know, he looking up at me. Now he's looking down at my little bald head. It, you know, you watch him grow. Mm. But you watch him, you watch them go from young men, from little boys to young men, you know. And you can have a sense of pride mm-hmm. in that. And realize, hey, you know, I, I had an impact. You know, be it small, be it large, whatever, you have an impact. And you never know what these young men are going to grow up to be. You know, the, the guys at Morehouse, one is studying to be a doctor. You know, he's going to play a medical school. Wow. Uh, the one in Kennesaw, you know, he's he's a computer engineering guy. You know, so he, he pro, you know, he may, you know, he's like, he's like, hey, Ms. Ms. Chris, I want to go and program stuff for space. You know, I want to program satellites. You know, so I'm like, wow. You know, and he's already made up his mind that's what he wants. He said, he said, ultimately, satellite will control the driverless car. So I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, the ultimate GPS that's up in the, up in the cloud or up in the sky. So now, the, the, you know, now that, you, that the satellite can see you, it can guide you where you need to go. I was like, wow, okay, that's deep. And you've been like, mentoring them since they were young? I've been mentoring um, my college guys. I, I met them when I think they were just going into college. You know, and now they're in their third. Well, one is in his fifth year because um, it's, you know, it's a five-year program at Morehouse. And the other one is in his, I want to say, his third year at Tennessee State. Yeah. What, Chris, what would you say um, <clears throat> in mentoring young men, what would you say in terms of your skill set, the thing that has made you most impactful, the thing that makes you um, – Young men respond can, to you the most, or most, uh, most you, you know, with with me, 
I learned from I learned as much from them as they learned from me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of times I, I consider myself communicator. Mm-hmm. I like to communicate. Mm-hmm. I like to talk. I like to run my mouth. Uh, I like to you know I'm a hands-on kind of guy uh, most mm-hmm. of the time. You know I mean when when I was a kid I never liked to watch sports <laughs> you know because I was like mm-hmm. well, I watch when you when you go out there and play you know why you go out there and do it you know. So with with the boys, you know, I'm always challenging them to do what they want to do, you know. And and, and right. our, our mentors, you know, we have different personalities. You know, we some of us are day, we're like day and night, we're polar opposites. Mm-hmm. But we come together for the young men, you know, and and that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. And you want to give it, you know, some kids are going to gravitate to uh, an outspoken person, right? Some mm-hmm. people, got, some kids are going to gravitate to the guy who's to himself and who's always on his phone or always, you know, doing some kind of computer stuff. You know, so mm-hmm. we try to give them as many options as possible. And, you know, let me put this out there. We're always recruiting. So if you want to volunteer, you know, get with me. I'll let you know how to become a mentor for young men, right? Um, so that's what, that's what it's all about. I mean, for me, just being open, you know, uh, you know my father, my father, was one of those kind of guys who was kind of quiet, but he 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 was all, he always made you proud of. Him. I never saw my dad raise you know raise his voice at anybody. Um, I never saw my dad curse. I never saw my dad drunk. My father's never been arrested. Um, what else? I mean, he's the, he's that guy. You know, he's he's not he, he's not the we weren't the Huxtables. You know, not by any stretch of imagination, but. He, you know, my my dad never got in any kind of trouble. You know, he barely raised his voice. You know, my mother on the other hand, oh yeah, she was gonna she was gonna get into business. She was gonna let you know what's on her mind. But my dad was like, "Come to Chris, let me talk to you." And he would talk to you, and he hurt your feelings because <clears throat> he you know he would tell you what's going on, but he would never yell at you. He would never curse at you. He would never throw anything at you. You know, he wasn't the kind of guy that was gonna pull out his belt and and, and beat the brakes off of you. Now, if my mom told him, mm-hmm. that boy didn't even bite me. You know, he, he was like, all right, all right, let me, let me, let me give you a little spanking because your mama said, <laughs> you know, which was funny. Yeah. You know, looking back, it was mm-hmm. hilarious, you know, but that's the kind of guy my dad is to this day. You know, he, he, he's very easygoing on the surface, but he's trying to make sure everybody's okay, you know. And mm-hmm. my father was, he was a drill sergeant for crying out loud. Back when drill sergeants could literally, you know, kick you in your behind. You know, he was one mm-hmm. of those guys. But at home, you know, he was he was real laid back, real calm. You know, there was nothing that was going to get him riled up to where he was out of character. Wow. So, yeah, that, that's just that's just him. But you know, you meet guys. I mean, I, and I've met some of my mentors were like that coming up as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I had mentors <clears> that see me a mile away and be like, boy, you know, why are your shoes not that? You know, or or why you why were you late why were you two minutes late to class this morning? That kind of stuff. You know, at Prairie was was a is it, still a rather it's a smaller college. So you have you have that one on one interaction with your professors. You know, we we didn't have teachers assistants teaching classes. You know, we didn't have classes where you got two hundred kids in, in an auditorium and you know, you see the instructor, you know, maybe once a month. You know, we didn't have that. So 
if Dean said you did something wrong, he was going to call you at your dormitory and be like, uh, Mr. Hampton, you need to come to my room tomorrow morning. I got a space open at 815. I'm like, well, Dean, my first class ain't at 10 o'clock. He's like, no, no, no. You need back class. You know, 815, Mr. Hampton, he ain't a front. So, you know, with that kind of mentorship or those type of leaders around you, you know, it has to rub off on you. You know, I tell the veterans that I deal with a lot of times, I said, look, you know, a lot of veterans, we want to stay in the house. We want to do that. Get out because you never know that one little piece of wisdom you drop and somebody picks up may change somebody's life. Mm-hmm. But if you're sitting in the house by yourself, nobody can see your light shine. If, you, if you're stuck in the house and you're scared to come out, you, like some people will sit at home and watch the cameras all around the house. You know, they'll, they'll watch mm-hmm. that ring doorbell. You know, they got the little solar powered camera in their backyard. They're watching their neighbors come and go, and they watch the mailman. You know, you 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 hold your blessings back from other folks that way. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying go out there and play in traffic, but what I am saying is, you know, get out there, and if, if church is your thing, go to church. If, you know, if uh, bingo is your thing, go to bingo. If, if the VFW is your thing or the lodge or your fraternity or whatever, whatever <laughs> you're into, get out there and socialize. Because our, our children need to see that. You know, our children mm-hmm. need to understand that. You know, each one teach one. You know, we don't want any more lost mm-hmm. generation. You know, at one point, they, you know, they're trying to tell me my generation was the lost generation. Y'all the lost generation. Y'all just lost. And then, then we had the, the kids that came along with the pants hanging off their butt, uh, the, the, the non-gender conforming stuff. And, you know, the stuff that's coming down the pipe is going to be crazy. You know, but we have we got to stand our ground and we have to show them, hey, mm-hmm. this is the this is where you come from. This is the base where you come from. You know, in our family. You know, if one of the things that we do with young men rising, we always tell the young boys, Hey, look, man, you know who you do you know your grandfather? Do you know your grandmother? You know, and we always tell them you should have four you have four sets of grandparents. You know, and so that that brings up conversation. Like a lot of the boys like, I don't know my dad, so I don't know none of these people. I said, well, ask your mom what she know. You know, so it starts a conversation. And you got young men that live in a house where it's a young man, it's his mama, and his grandma, right? He's the only male in the house. But I tell him, start the conversation. You know, ask grandma, you know, who was your mama's dad? You know, who's your grandfather? That type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you know. So what do you problem. feel? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Well, how how do you feel like, you know, connecting these people, connecting young people to their grandparents? What is the significance of that? Because asking power just says, I am my past, my present, and my future. You know, I am all three. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible talks about the Trinity. You know, and and throughout any religion you talk, you look at, it's going to have some sort of Trinity. You know, the divine. Mother, Mother Teresa, or I'm sorry, Mother Mary, or, you know, all of them, they, they all have the deity. But there's always a trinity. There's always a trinity to it. But if you just look at the, the basics, you are your past, your present, and your future. <clears throat> you know, you can't, we all came from somewhere, right? We are all here now, okay? And out mm-hmm. of us, something is coming out of us. So that's our future. You know, so if you know where you came from, you know, that's that's mm-hmm. a piece, that's a source of pride you start with, right? Even if you learn what not to do, right? There's still a certain there's certain positivity that you got from not being like 
your your granddaddy that stayed in prison or your granddaddy that mm-hmm. shot up a church, you know, or your granddad that owned slaves or didn't own slaves, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. You know, so, you know, like I tell people, even some of the white kids that we deal with, I'm like, you know, hey, find out who your granddaddy was. My granddaddy was racist. I don't want to know about it. Said, no, no, no. Get to know him and find out why he was racist. And, you, and then realize how silly that was, you know, how crazy that might have been. You know, I said, just because I'm black, I said, you, you as a white kid, you know, you need to know your history too. You know, you need to know your history and understand why your history is important. Because you can change your history. You know, I can't change my past. Yeah, that was yesterday. That's already in the book. But tomorrow, when I wake up and I sharpen my pencil, I got a chance to write something new based on what I did yesterday. You know, and that, that's what it's all about. That's the, the importance of knowing where you come from. You know, that's all. Mm-hmm. That's all. So you are listening to B at Lifestyle Radio. Our calling number is 516 9110. If you have any questions, um, give us a call. We are on with our special guest, Chris Hampton. Um, Chris, you went to Prairie View. How do you feel like that yes. prepared you for the world today? This black college. Where would you recommend black colleges today? I recommend black colleges for the experience. Um, and and it, it, the thing with black colleges is this they may not have all the resources and things that you, that you that some of these other colleges have. But what they do have is a sense of, of uh, I don't know, family. You know, like I said, Prairie View, we, we didn't have any classes that had over 100 kids at a time in a classroom. You know, I was at uh, Georgia State a couple of days ago, and I walked in one of the auditoriums, and I was like, whoa. And they're like, well, you know, you got to get out of the classroom when you start. Like, how many folks going to be in there? Because I was going to be about 150. I said, 150? I said, well, who's teaching the class? They said, well, the TA, you know, so the teacher's mm-hmm. assistant was going to teach class. I said, well, who's the professor? They said, oh, he don't come. He don't, he don't come to class. You know, he's got teacher's assistants that teach the class. I'm like, wow, Prairie View didn't have it. You know, when I got to Prairie View back in the 80s, um, you know, I showed up. With, I had an activity scholarship I got from my high school, um, and I had my financial aid, okay? And my financial aid was running behind. Because I didn't know how to fill it out. I was doing it all wrong. So, but Freddie was like, look, if you get here, we'll figure out a way to keep you here. If, you, if you're doing what you need to do, going to class every day, you know, we're going we gonna, we gonna to help you get a degree. And that's what they did. So, Freddie gave me uh, an academic scholarship based on my merit, you know, and that held me until my financial aid finally kicked in. And they were like, we're going to make sure you graduate. <laughs> and they did. You know, they were like, and that that's what it was all about back then. And they taught you, hey, look, you're gonna you're gonna come across some things that are gonna be rough. You know, you you're gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna have to crawl before you run. You know, and in the RTC department was you know, that was the, the, the military thing. They were teaching us like, look, you're gonna be a black officer, so you have to carry yourself a certain way. They're expecting you not to be able to read. They're expecting you not to be able to talk. Wow. They're expecting you not, you know, and they just told you flat out. You know, and then nothing, you know, the funny thing is, nothing changed. You know, nothing has changed in all these years. When you're a, when you're a black officer going to the military, they don't expect you to know nothing. They expect you to be the, what they call it, the affirmative action candidate. You know, you know you, you're just here because we need a black person. But what, what you realize coming out of a place like Prairie View, like, wait a minute, 
I know this stuff. You know, I'm good. You know, I'm just as good, or if not better, than the guy next to me that went to, you know, a, a predominantly white institution. You know, I, there's no need for me to hold so, my head low. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think that, like, in all these years, that they that nothing has changed in their mind, that in their perception of, of black people or black people that have gone through well, um, black colleges? You you got to look at this. If you've had an advantage for how old is it? Two hundred forty some, two hundred fifty some years old, right? If you've had that advantage, your kids have had that advantage, your parents have had that advantage. You don't want to give that up, you know. And a lot of times the advantage mm-hmm. is only a perception, you know. If like I was telling my, you know, I was telling Jeff, who was one of the mentors with me, I said, you know, with me and Jeff. If we were playing basketball, Jeff is like six foot five, right? I said, you know, if we playing basketball, you know, Jeff is. I'm not. I, I can never tell Jeff. All right, Jeff, you got to play me because since you're six foot five and you got this advantage, play me on your knees. That's not gonna happen. You know, why should he give? Why would he give up that advantage? You know, I gotta be just. I gotta be good. You know, to to be the guy that's six foot five playing basketball. You know, so. With white people, they're not going to give it their advantage. They're not, going, they're not going to give you anything. They haven't. You know, they haven't given you anything. All these years of, of what we've done in America, they haven't given us anything. You know, you, you told me right. you talk about the, the history of, of the national thing. The first historically black college is a place called Cheney, right, depending on who you talk to. The other one is called Lincoln, and they're both in Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm. And they were set up by the, the, the Quakers and all these folks put it all together. And, you know, then the federal government in, in 1964 came up with a way of designating these so-called historically black institutions. And t- today, in order to be a historically black institution, you had to be formed prior to 1964, right? Um, and that's pretty much it. They were, you know, you had everything from separate but equal with these black institutions or a situation where, we're not going. We're not even trying to be. You just can't come to our school. You know, the the local white school was not going to let you in. You know, the fear of, you know, you gonna find out what we know, and that that just what even in the north, even in Pennsylvania, they're like, nah, uh, uh-uh. you know, Cheney or Cheney, Cheney or Cheney, I keep saying it wrong. They're it's forty miles outside of outside of Philadelphia, you know, which is you know one of the most liberal places on earth, right? So so we were taught. But they didn't allow black folks to go to college. You know, we bet we had to sneak and, and learn to read by the light of a candle. And we were reading the slave Bible. And the slave Bible was missing several chapters. You know, and that was mm-hmm. the beginning of historical black college. You know, then, then the, the land grant system came about, you know, in places like Texas. You know, all the schools that are A&M or A&I or um, what is, what's the other one? Uh, you got agriculture and mechanical, which is A and M. Oh, FAMU, Ag- yeah, like FAMU. Yeah, FAMU is A and M. Um, you got still. So, um, you got what's it? Um, I can't think of it. But anyway, all these colleges that have these designations behind them, agriculture, mechanical, these were land grant colleges where the, the federal government set aside land for a university or for a college. And, you know, they did it all over the place. 
know, these were federal federal land, federal dollars that got these things started. Most black colleges were set up as so-called normal schools for colored youth, so as opposed to an abnormal school. But those were the names that they gave. There was the normal school for colored youth, and they typically taught one thing. Most of them they taught education. You know, they all started off we're teaching school teachers. Mm-hmm. They didn't want you to be a doctor. They didn't want you to do anything else. They didn't want you to be a politician. You know, all those things politicians came out of it. You know, but they were basically teaching you how to work in the field, agriculture and mechanical, or they didn't want you to be a school teacher. And that was it. That was it. You know, that's I, all we were seeing. I, I think it's really do. interesting. Um, I think it's really interesting. Like, I graduated from Spelman, uh, our mm-hmm. uh, historically black college. But my yeah. college was started by the Rockefellers. And yeah. these are the same people who started the educational system, period. And Rockefeller yeah. was quoted as saying that they, they're not, um, they started the education system, the school system, the way it is currently to produce mm-hmm. workers. Yeah. It to was produce all about workers. workers. And so, yeah. And um, they had a few, especially at Spelman, because you had to pass the paper bag test. You couldn't really go there if you were dark-skinned. And all of those things uh, make it it, interesting black history for me. Well, historically, Spelman um, was the place where the, the oops babies went. You know where the white guy slipped up and went into to the to the slave quarters, or or he raped a black woman, and then this this child came out of it, and he had to send this, this mm-hmm. mulatto child somewhere. That's where the paper bag thing came from. So all these girls that went to Spelman, they weren't white, but they weren't mm-hmm. all black. Either. They were mulatto. So they, mm-hmm. they were mulatto. Oldest institutions in the country, you know, is Clark. You know, it was the Atlanta University, which was a black history, was historically black college. The AU Center gets its name from Atlanta University. Clark and Clark kind of merged with Atlanta University, and so now it's just Clark. You know, Morris Brown has always been there. Uh, Morehouse has always been there, but Atlanta University was uh, was the, the genesis of it all. Spelman was there because Spelman had all the land. You know, Rockefeller gave him the land, and they were like, all right, well, we gonna we gonna put our boys here. You know, and those schools were started by churches. You know, the original black colleges were not public schools. They were all private. You know, there was no such thing as public school. You know, that was another that was another bar to admission. You know, if you ain't had no money, you couldn't go to school. You know, if you didn't so have, do you think, you I, I, Oh, I, I think that when I when you really look at it for me, the way that I see um the caste system for black people and mm-hmm setting up a caste system to keep us more divided from each other. Uh the have and the have not. Right. But if I'm in if I'm in control of the pot, you know, I look, the have got to pay. The have not got to pay. So the the system, you know, was was diabolically ingenious. You know, and, mm. and that's what we're still suffering from today. It's like if I want to get everything out of you I mean, every I'm I'm getting the what was it old phrase? I'm getting the butter from the duck, which I never knew what that meant. But they, they they've got you from the beginning to the end. 
you know, mm-hmm. they control everything about you. You know, what you think, what you learn, what you eat, what you can wear, where you can go. You know, there was a wall mm-hmm. in Atlanta that Crazy. separated the AU Center from the white neighborhood that was that was just, you know, just across the street. There was a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, the backside of Selma still has parts of that wall. You know, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The, the West End area was historically white, you know, from the, yeah. from what, the, the 50s all the way up until the 70s, you know, when black mm-hmm. folks started coming to the West End. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, Spelman yeah. was set up to where those girls could, could, could barely leave that area, you know, and the, the side that the West End was on, that was the back part of the campus, and there was a wall there. You couldn't you couldn't leave the campus and go into the West End like you can do now. You know you couldn't you couldn't do it. That, that was not allowed. You know the the bridge that's over that twenty. You know, you got to realize the, the interstate system was built what in the, I want to say the forties and the fifties. You know I, you know I don't quote me on that, but where the interstate system where the the bridge is that was a wall. There was a wall there, so you couldn't leave wow. campus and just walk to the West End. No, yeah. This is, you know, these are the kinds of things, the little nuances of the subtleties of racism that have, that permeate throughout this entire country. Yeah. Little things like, you know, we had, you know, you got two water fountains right next to each other, right? But one is for white and one is for black. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember talking to when I was a kid, you know, in New Orleans, and we would get these, we would get what we what we thought were new, they were new used school books, right? And, you know, we're, we're doing the bad math or whatever. And the book would have, in the, the school that gave the, the book to us, they knew. So the kids would write all kind of, you know, stuff in the book. You know, and they would rip out pages. You know, I was telling my friend, you know, the index was, was always a bonus contention for me as a kid. Because the index is where the answers were. So if you did the problem and you did all, you know, you got everything, you thought you got everything right, you can go to the index and check it out. Right? Mm-hmm. But... If the kids who gave you the books ripped out half the index, you know, or, or they, you know, they would do crazy stuff. Like rip out all the odd, the odd mm-hmm. pages would be gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so you go from page one to page three because two wasn't there, or page one to page four because two and three was gone. You know, so you're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know that's the kind of stuff that was going on. Now these kids are dealing with books that are online. You know, a lot of kids don't even carry books home. You know, the, 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 it's, wow, that's where we are. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, working in the school system, the lack of, it's sort of a, I don't know, I don't, oxymoron, I don't know what to call it, but you want kids to be proficient, but you don't let them take books home. Right. You want them to read, but what are they going to read? Right, and then you you have mom to liberty that are, that is going around the country gaining steam, and they're taking books out that are written by black authors. They're that books that are written by authors that might be gay, or have a reference to sex, mm-hmm. or have a reference to uh, an LGBT lifestyle or an alternative lifestyle, or they mention things like alternative religions other than Christianity. You know, they're 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 canceling out these books. And everybody's like, oh, well, yeah, some of that stuff we don't need. 
And they're using the black community to say, well, the black community is homophobic anyway. And to a degree, we are. Mm-hmm. But just because a guy is gay does not mean he can't write a book. Or just because a woman is lesbian doesn't mean the information she's putting out is incorrect. You know, so right. I don't know. I, the, the answer to, to a lot of this stuff, you know, that I feel, you know, this is just my, my, my two-point opinion. You know, some, sometimes we have to realize, wait a minute, the system is not for us. The system is not mm-hmm. by us. And until we have our own system and until we have our own for us, whatever that may be, we're going to be we, – we have, we have to deal with the system as it is with a grain of salt mm-hmm. and be like, you know what, we know this ain't meant for us. You know, you, you, know you, 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 look, you can look at the news now, you know, where you've got certain politicians who are doing the exact same thing that their predecessor, a white politician, did, and they're mm-hmm. getting punished ten times worse. You know, you look at the mayors, mm-hmm. you look at the mayors around this country who just happen to be black, and they do the same thing. You know, the mayor of New Orleans, Ray Nagin, you know, they got him for some kind of embezzlement. You had um, Henry Cisneros in San Antonio. They got him for some kind of embezzlement or cheating on his wife or whatever. You know, I mean, little crazy things, you know, that people of color have suffered tremendously from. You know, and even if you look at Fonnie Willis, you know, and, and the stuff she's got going on. You know, these are things that, uh, that are popular. It's a whole other subject. I got you. <laughs> I, that, whole, that, that whole situation is a whole um, <laughs> It's very disturb. It's disturbing to me that that mm-hmm. they are putting more pressure on her than they mm-hmm. are the guy who you know actually on trial. Trying that's actually on trial. That it's so disgusting to me that I I have a hard time really talking about it but, because I think the obvious it's just so obviously um, racist to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at the the, the sister who's. Uh, I think his name is Letitia Willis, if I'm not mistaken, up in New York. Oh, mm-hmm. Who, mm-hmm. Who, who's, who's won, what, two cases already? You know, the largest mm-hmm. settlement, this, that, and third. But he's like, it's a vendetta, it's a vendetta, it's a vendetta. But this woman has, has assembled, and she ran on it, hey, I'm going to bring Trump, I'm going to bring the former president to justice. You know, every every American deserves the same justice, and I'm going to make sure you know, he comes to justice. When she became the attorney general, she did just that, and she put together a team. Mm-hmm. And that team went through, you know, all the legal acrobatics in order to get this thing in court. You know, and actually, mm-hmm. actually making making this man come to bear. And she's won. You know, nobody's saying, hey, you know, so now the argument is, well, she's just political. She's just political. And nobody's saying, wait a minute, why is she, if it's just political, then why is she winning? You know, why are mm-hmm. judges awarding, awarding this much money? Why are these juries who are looking at these cases saying, yeah, he's guilty? So, you know, so it's, it's smoke and mirrors. And that's the same, same thing we got going on with our kids. You know, if you watch anybody's news, you know, anybody's local news, you see us. You see our kids. Mm-hmm. You see us. You know, liquor stores. All this type of craziness. And the funny thing, you go to these little small towns that have met epidemics. They have um, yeah. mm. large numbers of syphilis outbreaks and all this type of foolishness. Mm-hmm. But on the news, all you see is us. 
knocking over liquor store two towns away. You know, mm-hmm. and like, what? And sometimes you have to watch it because you watch these stories and you're like, wait a minute, that happened two months ago. But they're airing it like it's mm-hmm. happening now. You know, because they, they, they run out of they run out of junk to put out on the airwaves. So they just brought the whole story back. I don't I, I'm not sure of what you what you know you can tell us you know we have a, a few more minutes uh the time goes by so fast but it did what do you think the solution like what do you think the solutions are for the, the solution um, is this the, the solution is this we have to go into the spaces that make us uncomfortable we have to go in those spaces you know and into the courthouse into the spaces where we have not been welcomed and, and, and make our presence known. We have to go in these spaces. Have you been to those spaces? Yeah, yeah, I've been down and sat in the in the little Georgia Chamber of Commerce or the, the little Georgia Senate and, and listen to Kemp pretty much ignore us. You know, ignore mm-hmm. the black educators that were being not, that were being honored that day. Wow. Yeah, I I've been down there. You know, but wow. we, we we've got to make our presence known. You know John Lewis had this thing where he said, uh, you know, good trouble. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I fully believe in it. I feel like John Lewis didn't do enough, you know, and, I, and people might get mad. But, I, you know, I feel like John Lewis didn't do enough. He he meant well. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you can only do what you can do. And so they allowed him to stay Yeah, in one person can only do so much. Right. And they allowed him to stay in his position. And I, just, I, didn't, I always thought John Lewis was a senator. But, no, John Lewis was just – he was in the House of Representatives. That's it. You know, that's a mm-hmm. big difference from being a senator. Raphael Warnock is Georgia's mm-hmm. first black senator. I was amazed because I was like, wait a minute, what about Cynthia McKinney? What about, um, you know, I mean, oh, the, the list yeah. goes mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, what about Cynthia McKinney? Mm-hmm. What about this lady here? You know, I'm like, what about the one that was a judge? You know, she, I thought she was, nope. No, these people were in the House. They're, they're represented. You know, you, you don't, you, you have a certain amount of clout as representatives. You know, but that's the, that you you are a small fish in a big pond. When you become a senator, you're at a whole nother level. You know, a whole nother level. Senators have access to different funds and they can do things on their own. Whereas representatives got to go talk to the senator, they got to go talk to somebody else. You know, they can get the ball rolling, but they can't bring the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, the answer is we got to get into these spaces. You know, we we got to come up with a new strategy because. The, the marching and the protesting, I feel like a lot of times, yeah, that gets you attention for a couple of days, you know, and you make the news. But then, you know, then they, then they turn it on. Oh, wow, they burnt up a police car. You know, and I'm like, I was downtown when they had the, the first riot or the first march mm-hmm. because, because somebody got killed. I was there, and I watched the little kids, the little white kids with the, the black backpack with spray paint and Look like mm. Molotov cocktails, you know, drop their bags in the middle of the protest, run to the CNN building and spray paint. You know, me and my mm. daughter were like standing right. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I'm like, when when we started the march, this little girl was standing next to us. She's all dressed in black, little white girl. It was 90 something degrees that day. This little girl got on a, ja- a black jacket. She's wearing gloves. She's got a black backpack. She's got on like what looks like a helmet. <laughs> you know, like one of those uh, wow. horseback riding helmets. Yeah, I mean, she looks just mm-hmm. really out of place. And she's tiny. She's like, you know, my daughter's five, five six. So this girl had to be about five four, five three. 
you know, and she's got this big old backpack, and she's with another little little white kid, you know, and he's got a big backpack, and he's got the gloves, and he's got on the doggone, they remind me of skinhead boots from back in the day. And I'm like, it's too hot for all that. You know, but I didn't, I didn't think nothing of it. So maybe they got water, they're going to give up. Wow. No. You know, because it was a big old bag. So we stopped in the middle of the street. They stopped in the middle of the street and ran up to CNN and just started spray painting. You know, all over the sign. I was like, whoa. You know, by the time the police cars got set on fire, we were gone. We were like, uh uh-uh, we out of here because this is about to get outrageous. You know, but once again, a lot of these protests, they get corrupted by other, by outside elements. You know, they get corrupted by folks. And and we get blamed for it. Yeah, I was there. So I I wouldn't say it if I wasn't there. I was there. I saw that. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This little white chick, you know, she she don't care nothing about George Floyd. You know, I think, yeah, it was a George George Floyd march. She don't care nothing about George Floyd, but she's, she's, Spray paint seeing it. And that's what made the headlines that you know, we've got to get into these spaces. We gotta and we've gotta take education seriously. We gotta get our kids and teach them in the home. And if, if if you don't if you can't teach your kids in the home, find somebody who can. You know, take them to the to to your local church. Get them a mentor. Expose them to the different things that are out there that you may not have access to. You know, but find somebody who can. Everybody's not a Tyler Perry or Oprah Winfrey or whatever, you know, Grant. Everybody's not a, a Bob Johnson or whoever, but you know you can you can be you can be a Chris Hampton, you know you you could be a mm-hmm. brother down the street, you know. I mean, my neighbors I didn't realize it. My neighbor across the street, this man, they bought their house in 1969 in the West End. Okay, they were some of the first black people in the area. Period, and they bought their house when everybody around them. Everybody was around me. You know, mm. the man, I, was, I said, what was that like? He said, it was hard. He said, it was hard. You know, he said, we, you know, they killed our dogs. You know, if we had a puppy, the puppy would, you know, we wouldn't let the puppy outside because somebody would poison mm. the puppy. Wow. Crazy stuff mm. like you that. You know, that's mm, funny because I always thought, I did not know that the West End was white first. And so it's regentrification now. And not gentrification. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I just thought the I thought the West End was just always been black um, nope. until I found out it wasn't. It was white. No. And then they moved mm-hmm. out out into Cobb County and out into the suburbs, and then it uh, was black. But now it is yeah. definitely regentrified. Yeah, they're coming back. I mean, you know, you, you got to look at um, the West End. The West, the, the oldest mall in Atlanta is Greenbrier, right? That was the first mall. You know, if you go around the Greenbrier area now, it's all black. But you know, in I think it was 1970, Greenbrier Mall, there were no black folks over there. That was a white neighborhood, all white people. Lennox Mall, that area was a black area originally. Right? Lennox Mall? They, mm-hmm. The Lennox oh, Mall wow. area was a black area. I mean, just like New York, you know, if you, and, you, and those types of stories are everywhere, you know, everywhere. You look at uh, Central Park, you know, was, was a black neighborhood. Lake Lanier was a black neighborhood. Um, any exchange in Florida where, you know, two inter, two large um, interstates come together, 
or or two large pillars of the interstate come together, that was a black neighborhood. You know, the interstate system itself was racist. You know, if you look at the history of the interstate system, it was all about tearing up black communities, separating them, you know, knocking down churches because that's where the the, the, the exit ramp was going to be. And you're like, well, wait, how come y'all just want to go around? You know, but that, you know, we didn't have that power. You know, I mean, so, I don't know, right uh, now, Chris, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead, finish. Uh, yeah, like right now in this country, we we have the opportunity. We we got more education. We've got more access to information than we've ever had, right? But our children mm-hmm. don't feel like that's that's important. We have to express to them, hey, this is what's important. You know, know who you are. You know, know your history first, and then learn the history of the world. And then navigate your way through the world. You know, it's amazing sometimes, you know, being, being a man in the 50s now, to ride around Atlanta or Birmingham or any city that I, that I kind of grew up in and to see the change. You know, but I can tell my kids, hey, mm-hmm. that used to be a parking lot. You know, you know, your granddad used to own that parking lot. And they're like, hey, that ain't no parking lot, Dad. That's a, that's a skyscraper. I was like, right. But back in the day, that was a dirt parking lot. That your granddad is up and down he owns, <laughs> you know, especially when he got drunk. <laughs> you know, but that's one of those things. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to learn. Somebody has, to, you know, most history. The best history has always been an oral history. You know, everybody, you know, people tell you, you know, what's going on. You know, our churches. I feel like our churches have been bought off. You know, through the whole uh, mm-hmm. faith-based initiative. If the federal government's giving you money. You, you're not gonna you're not gonna rally the people to, to fight against anything because that's right. giving you money. You know, mm-hmm. like, hey, and these you got these mega churches. Sometimes you got to ask yourself, what do these mega churches? You know, hmm. what are they doing for the community? You right. Know, what are they doing? You know, I mean, ask the Cleflo Dollars, the T D Jakes. Um, you pick one. You know, George Foreman, all these types of guys. Ask them, hey man, you know, what are you doing for the community? What what are they doing for the community? You know, and that's, yeah, that's I mean they they there are billions of dollars that um yeah. that have gone through the black church for years and years and years, and our communities mm-hmm. are still left in shambles. Right. Like that's our right. our communities mm-hmm. are in shambles. Billions yeah. of yeah. dollars over the over the last. I mean, year. you got so you got abject poverty down the street from uh was it was it World Changers? You know. Cleflo Dollars Church yeah. in College Park, you know, yeah. you have abject yeah. poverty, you know, and he donates money to the police department, okay, mm. but not to school. You know, you got to ask yourself, like, wait a minute, you're giving all this money to the police, what about the money to the school? You know, why not, yeah. why not start a school? Why not start a school, you know? You got billions of dollars coming through there. Why not start a school? You know, so... So that we can have the top-notch education, and, and it's not a lottery for our kids to go to that school. You know, I mean that's the part yeah. that really hurts my. You know, you you know you got a kid who's a brilliant three-year-old, right? But in order for him to go to school to the best pre-K, you got to win a lottery. Right. You got to win a lottery. You know, that, that's in in this country. You like that's and we talk about other countries, but look where we rank. You know, look where we rank globally. You know, we're not number one. We're number one mm-hmm. in the the what the prison industrial complex per capita. 
Yeah. We're number one. Yep. We're number one. In, we're number one in defense. You know. Um, but we're not number one in education. You know, we're not one no. number one in in, in in childbirth. You know, we're we're mm-hmm. not on the cutting edge of science anymore. You know, all that type of stuff. You know, and you got to ask yourself. Now, I tell people this is this is my philosophy, and I'm gonna be quiet. Um, America is like a car, right? And the car's got mixed max tires. You know, I mean, I don't know if y'all been there, but I've been there where you got a Goodyear, you got a Uniroyal, you mm-hmm. got a Napalm, you know, you got a tire you got from Walmart with no name on it. You know, you got all these tires. Mm-hmm. You got a white tire, you got a black tire, you got a green tire, you got a yellow tire, right? Everybody's trying to put the air in only one of three tires, right? But in order for the car to ride the way it's designed to, you got to put air, you got to put equal air or a certain amount of air in all your tires in order to get to where you're going. You know, the countries that have opened their doors and said, hey, look, if you get here, we'll educate your kids. We'll educate you, right? Those countries are doing great. You know, Germany had a program years ago where they said, all you got to do is get to Germany and you can get a free education, especially in science. You know, India has a thing where, you know, if you if you're a doctor from any country in the world, you can go to India. Hello, I lost you. Hey. I lost you. Oh no, we. It, hello? hello. It is uh, eleven o'clock, and um, okay. the show is uh, officially over. I think that it it might start hanging up on you guys. I just want to thank Chris Hampton <laughs> for joining us tonight. For um, I lifestyle radio. Thank you. No, I no, enjoy. no. You have a, a wealth of knowledge, and um, there's always room for to understand and learn things even more. Um, I want to thank um, my co-host DJ Sean and Antonio Magaha. Want to thank Roxy and Sandy and Queen Missouri for being on tonight, and Absolutely. we will. Be back next Wednesday, same time, same place, hopefully without the same technical difficulties. <laughs> Chris, we're going to have you back again. Uh, I, we're always talking about education. This was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I look forward to the next time we do this. Um, yeah, and we, we will get more into historically black colleges. <laughs> But yeah, yeah I, we'll, I, I we'll, we, we shall, because that, that was some good information. All right. Thank mm-hmm. you for if out there. If you're listening, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week.
Yo, this is singer-songwriter Antonio Magaha, and you are now tuned in to B-Radio. Peace.